This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have a special show. We just want to give you a quick update on what's going on with lending regulations here and how that's going to make it easier for you to buy investment properties and second homes compared to where we were about a year ago. Today, I've got Tim Swirzek on, and he is a lender licensed in Texas, Minnesota, and Tim, where else? Tennessee and Wisconsin. Okay. So if you're in any of those states, Tim can help you. Even if you're not in any of those states, Tim probably knows somebody who can. So reach out to him if you have any questions after this podcast. For sure. Real quick, Tim, let's get into what we're talking about here today. So the the regulations or guidelines for investment Mm -hmm. loans and second home loans changed last year, right? Yeah, it was technically the very beginning of this year, but right like very early January, well, mid-January, January 14th, the federal government, uh, who is currently controlling Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac through conservatorship, required that they reduce the amount of uh, second home and investment property loans that they do, right? And uh, when they, so so uh, they, they announced it January 14th, effective February 1st. But the problem, what most people don't realize is um, it takes, from the time your loan closes, the, t- the time it gets to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac is, is a couple months, right? So that means loans that they had closed uh, a month and a half, two months ago were subject to these changes with no notice, right? And they actually gave a look back period, ironically. So really, uh, lenders all of a sudden were subject to some really big problems. And and to understand those problems, you kind of have to understand a little bit about lending, right? So um, first of all, if I'm a lender and I want to increase my volume, what do I do? Uh, What would you think I would do to increase volume? Talk to more people, get more loans done. No, believe it or not, if I'm the lender, what I do is I lower my costs, right? I say, hey, Jordan, my rate, what used to be three and a half, now it's three. You got more business, right? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That's how you control your volume. There's actually two ways. You either change your costs or you change your guidelines, right? So if I make the guidelines easier, I'm going to be able to get more clients because more people get approved, right? They're just going to be easier for them to get loans and people who would have been denied before are now approved. Or if I want to make it harder, guess what I have to do? I make the guidelines worse. Now, people who used to qualify no longer qualify. And uh, if I'm all of a sudden short-staffed or I have too much business, we see this all the time in lending. If if a lender, let's call it uh, Wells Fargo, all of a sudden has too many loans and they can't take on another loan because they're overworked, they'll temporarily raise their rates high, right? They'll be out of the game for a little while. Other lenders will pick up that business. And then when they get too much business, they'll raise their rates, but Wells Fargo will bring them back down. And that's kind of the benefit of working with a broker or someone like me is we can shop that as, as that changes, right? But um, that's how lenders control volume. So if all of a sudden Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac make this announcement to lenders and say, whoa, we need to reduce volume. We're, we're mandated by the federal government to reduce volume and it's effective backwards. Immediately what lenders did, 
that day is they jack the price up. And when I say jack the price up, I mean, they, most lenders change the price between three and five points immediately, right? So that means for every $100,000 you borrow, it costs you three to $5,000 more in closing costs immediately. Um, and they did that. And so on a $300,000 house, your closing costs just went up nine to 15,000, mm -hmm. right? Well, closing costs don't even before that probably didn't even cost more than nine. You know, it didn't even cost nine thousand. Now all of a sudden it was nine thousand more, right? Mm -hmm. So this was a huge impact. The real another problem the government created with all this is they didn't say how they're going to do it. They just said you need to make this change, but there was no announcement on like what was going to be done. So lenders don't at our level were all of a sudden like, well, what do we do? And that's why you see these huge changes all of a sudden out of nowhere. And it happened for second homes too. And if you were in the middle of purchasing a second home and you're, let's say your retirement home or something, and you're, and you're nearing retirement and, you know, two weeks before closing, you're not locked and your price just went up $15,000. I mean, this is a big deal to people. So it really changed the market really quickly. Yeah. And, you know, that happened to me and to clients. So I was closing on an investment property. Um, the rate went way up compared to what I was going to pay. The closing costs went way up. I had a client closing on a second home. His rates went up high enough and his closing costs went up high enough that it, it didn't make sense to buy it that way anymore. So yeah, he still bought it. He bought it creatively. Yeah, um, this, this affected a lot of people and I even saw it firsthand. So of course, we work with a lot of investors and second home buyers. So something like this hurts us a lot. So yeah. um, you sent me a text here recently and said that this, all this changed back. Yeah. What happened and what does that mean if you're an investor or you're looking to buy a second home right now? Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Yeah. So the good news, they, they lifted the restriction, right? So now lenders don't have to. So I haven't seen all the impacts right yet, right? But what I expected to do is go back to business as normal, right? Which means that these price increases that got built in, which by the way, they got built in. And then when lenders started kind of figuring out how they were going to manage it, they did bring them back down slightly. So uh, buying an investment property, a second home today, isn't nearly as expensive as it was in February of this year, but mm -hmm. it still is higher than it should be. So I'm expecting that price to come back down. I'm expecting, you know, lenders to not um, make it harder, right? They, so every lender had to start cherry picking and going, if we can only do so many second homes and so many, they started putting on extra guidelines, guidelines that aren't there from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and those will disappear if they haven't already. And so what you're going to see is it's going to be easier to get a loan and it's going to be much less costly. So, you know, I'd say, you know, like my game on, right. It's, yeah. it's business as usual, you know, so Which is great news for all our clients, right? Yeah. Great news for all of our clients. But, you know, I would tell people out there listening that Tim just sent me this text, what, two days ago. Yeah. Um, this might be a sector of the market you pay more attention to. Your lender might not know about this. So don't be surprised if you get people telling you, well, it's harder to buy second homes or investment properties right now. 
Um, they just might not know yet. So that's why you want to use somebody that's on top of this, this part of the game like Tim, but you know, really this is all so new. There, there's lots of stuff that's just happened recently. And like you said, this just happened. What was that? 10, nine months ago. Yeah. They just change this stuff and they just change it back. And it sounds like it really was without any warning, right, Tim? There was, yeah, there was no warning. And actually, uh, I actually know from the, from insider perspective that lenders lost a fortune because all these things, like I said, they had closed a loan, let's say in December, but they were getting charged these higher fees because they didn't make it to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac yet. Right. They're getting charged these higher fees, uh, with no warning. So, uh, I know lenders that lost, uh, you know, um, I, I don't know the full number, but easily tens of thousands of dollars. They might've lost $10,000 alone, right? So if they closed 40 loans, that could be $400,000, right? And and that's the kind of numbers that happen here. So they got hurt and I wouldn't be completely surprised if they tried to make some of that back. And, and you know, the pricing slowly goes down, right? Like a lot of times what we see in anything is if the mortgage market improves so our rate should get lower, you'll see that happen really slowly, right? But if the mortgage market gets worse, you'll see that happen quickly. So don't be surprised if it takes a little while for this to work itself out in the market, but we'll, you know, we'll be watching for you. And even if you don't, uh, even if you're not a client in one of the states that I lend in, if you want to contact me, I'm happy to help you out because I feel like there's a karma thing going on. And I do actually know a lot of great lenders across the country. I'm part of some high level, uh, you know, lender groups, speakers across the country and some, some of the best people in the space. So if you're, you know, if you're in Alabama, I know a great person. If you're in Massachusetts, I know a great person, right? So sure. if you're hearing this and you're somewhere else, I'll, I'll definitely help you out if you need it. Sure. So real quick in, in layman's terms, as easily yeah. as you can explain it, how does this make loans cheaper for those looking to buy an investment home or a second home? Yep. So lenders no longer have to worry about a restriction that would, would that would penalize them, right? And so we're all in it to make money um, and we want as many clients as possible. So now what used to be a restricted market is now a, a free market where it's competitive again, right? So lenders are now not disincentivized to cherry pick. They are incentivized to find as many clients that qualify as possible, right? So as long as you qualify for a loan, they no longer have to say, oh, we're only looking for the best of the best. We're looking for anyone who qualifies now. Not that I wasn't from my level, right? But we're really talking about several levels up where they had a restriction where they could only do so many. Um, that restriction, of course, flows downhill to us. But long story short, the restrictions have been lifted. So we're, um, we're and so the costs are going to go down because now it's, game on. We're going to try to get as many clients as we can rather than trying to limit the amount of clients because we're forced to. Sure. And I really want to dive into a little bit more of what happened just so people really understand, you know, yeah. why, why couldn't lenders do as many loans? So I know we talked about it in the past, but specifically what were lenders not allowed to do? I know you said it, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac said, we don't want this many loans. And, you know, that's pretty broad or we just don't want this many what happened if you're a lender and you're let's say you're you're doing 100 investment loans a month and they say hey we only want 50 what happens to you the lender there's nowhere to sell them to right and so um <laughs> you know and so uh what happens to uh, so 
it's not necessarily me, right? But the sure. owner of my company all of a sudden would have had a loan that they thought they were going to sell, right? Because these loans are expensive. Um, believe it or not, most people don't realize this, but you can go to a large company. And I use uh, Wells Fargo as an example a lot, but the same would be true of US Bank or whatever. When you go to them, they don't even keep the loan. People mm-hmm. think I go to US Bank, I get a loan through US Bank and I pay US Bank. US Bank owns my mortgage, but they actually sold the loan to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. And the reason why they do that is because they don't have enough money to, you know, give you a loan for 30 years for $200,000. If they did that, eventually they run out of money, right? They probably actually, they probably do enough loans that they'd run out of money in less than a year, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens is they sell them off. But when there's no market to buy them, you're stuck with them. So it kind of, it actually seizes up, right? Where you're like, what are we going to do? We can't write new loans because we can't sell them off. We can't re- reuse and recycle that money because the, because loans are actually funded through the sale of bonds. Then, you know, you know, people are more used to the stock market bond is an, a different type of investment, but similar in that you can invest in them and people from around the world and actually hedge funds and teachers pensions and all kinds of things invest in these. And um, when you can't, we don't have access to that kind of money. Um, you have to get pickier. And believe it or not, the system was designed to have access to that money so that loans could be cheaper. It actually was designed to be cheaper. But when you put these restrictions on now, all of a sudden, um, uh, you know, from a lender's point of view, they they get stuck. And when I say get stuck, I remember this is about nine years ago. I had a conversation with the owner of our company and he had one loan go bad and it cost him thirty five thousand dollars. That was one loan. Right. Imagine if you had 40. 60, 100, right? I mean, these numbers can put people out of business. So it's a big deal. And I think a lot of times customers think, and and I understand why they think this, but they think, oh, I'm doing a loan. You're charging me $5,000. You should be, you know, super happy and da, da, da. And you should just do my loan. And from a lender's point of view, when you take all the costs out, they, they do these, you know, statistics. But when you take all the costs out, lenders, you know, they might make $1,000 out of that, right? Or, or even 500 you know, and they're, they're hoping to make a $500 times a hundred and then they're really happy. Right. But the point is that they're going to lose 35,000 to do a bad loan. One bad loan isn't worth doing. So that's why they decline loans. Right. That's why they decide not to do certain loans. And, um, and so, so lenders are very cautious of doing bad loans and they don't want to ever do them if they can. Sure. So I just want to recap what you're saying is, Hey, you know, if they were doing a hundred loans, now Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will only buy 50 loans. They know if they're yeah. doing 100 loans at the cost they're doing right now, because the way they control doing loans is keeping the cost low, that they're going to possibly be stuck with 50 of them. So what they're going to do yeah. is raise the prices to discourage people from getting investment home loans yeah. or second home loans. So they end up with more of that 50 or so that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will buy. And they're Correct. only going to bring their costs down when that floodgate opens again and they can sell more loans to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac because they don't want loans. You know, like you're saying, the lender you're getting your loan from is not holding on to your loan if you're getting a normal 30-year loan. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Correct. And yeah, and to say they don't want loans is, is 
yeah, what they don't want is they don't want bad loans or loans they can't sell, right? To them, that's a bad loan, right? Even if you're paying, doesn't matter because they would run out of business. And um, I've seen more than once, I've bet multiple occasions where lenders had loans they couldn't sell. Even if the clients were paying, that will bankrupt them. You can bankrupt nearly any lender by just not selling loans. And that would include the largest of the large banks. You know, if you're doing, if you're doing, you know, billions of dollars of loans per month, it doesn't take long to run out of cash, yeah. you know, if you're not selling them off. And so, like I said, I mean, I did a loan with a large uh, bank and I got the letter. Most people ignore them and throw them in the trash, but I got the letter that said they sold it to Freddie Mac in that case, right? Loan's gone. They don't actually own it. I still paid that bank. So no matter who the lender is, if it's a 30-year loan, they're selling it off. Now, they have, you know, you and I deal with these all the time, the niche portfolio loans. Those are not sold off. But those are very small part of the business, right? Very small. Well, because they're not 30-year, low interest rate, low closing costs. Correct. Loans. They're not the loans that most people want. They're, I, I need them because I can't do as many deals as I want using the traditional loans. But right. you know, most people, when they think about getting a loan, want a 30-year loan. They want these crazy low interest rates that we have right now. Yeah. Great service. They want relatively low closing costs. And that's what you get with the loans being sold. To Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, exactly. in my experience. Yep, yep, for sure. Well, all right. Thank you so much for coming on here today, Tim. If people are looking to get more information, how do they reach you? Oh, uh, well, uh, I guess my uh, Tim Swerzik uh, is my name, right? And uh, probably best to contact me almost through you because of my. It's complicated, but I can get my phone number here real quick. I guess since it's a podcast, six five one. Seven seven two nine thousand. That's my phone number, and uh, yeah, hit me up um, and uh, or contact me through the Austin Real Estate podcast, and uh, yeah, we'll get connected. Yeah, guys, and just shoot me a message anywhere on social media or over email. It's Jordan Moorhead. If you Google me, Jordan Moorhead on any social media platform, really easy to find. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. We will be back here very soon. But if you're looking to buy an investment home or a second home, it just got a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Take it easy.